All right. Uh, can we get a clap and then we're good to go? <laughs> nope. Oh. <laughs> nope. That good? You didn't One, specify. One, two, three. three. All right. That sounds just fine. <laughs> you goons. Let's pop it. Well, welcome to Scotch and Splendid, guys, the podcast that tastes like The Office and gets you drunk like not getting your figs and telling your boss you have no idea how high I can fly. (laughs) Here on Scotch and Splendid, we're talking about anything and everything in The Office, but most importantly, theories, side stories, and what ifs. We are your co-regional managers. I'm AJ. I'm BJ. I'm Nick. And uh, on this episode, we are going to be talking all about how you sure, like, you didn't come up with something better. You didn't tell them, like, you've just wasted the last 15 years of my life, how you're incompetent. I mean, uh, I, I think you think you you guys think about this more than I do. I obviously <laughs> thought about this a lot more than I have. <laughs> We're talking about the Michael Scott Paper Company, guys. It's a big one. It's the big one. We've been thinking about this, talking about it, uh, building up to this one for a little while now, and I'm so glad that we're finally getting an opportunity to do it. Uh, but first, make sure, guys, we got to remind you, make sure you're leaving us a review. If you haven't done that yet and you've been listening, I know that you guys have been listening. I see it. I see it in the uh, the analytics. I see it on our statistics. Uh, make sure you're leaving that five-star review. Just drop us a line, okay? If you don't have a fan theory, that's completely fine. But what you can do is theorize how much you might or might not like us, okay? That's <laughs> what those reviews are being for. judged. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm, I really, I, I actually really like being judged. Yeah, uh, as Angelo would put it. Um, <laughs> I think I evaluated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, personally, guys. I thrive under a lack of accountability. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, give us, give us a five star. You know, drop us a line. Uh, you can do that on Spotify. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, where you can write it in. You can also interact with us on Spotify, where you can answer some questions and also get involved with some of the polls that we've been dropping out there too. All right, guys, you can also reach us at a phone number where you can leave us a voicemail. You don't have to call us to do anything like that. That number is what? 319-359-7977. You're darn tootin'. Uh, so make sure you guys uh, give us a shout. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you've been thinking about inside those fan theories. I'll give you an example, okay? One of, one of these little ones that I've kind of come up with, uh, that we'll talk about in a few, in the future episode that we've all been kind of stockpiling, right? Little little tiny theory. It doesn't have to be huge. But what about when Cafe Disco, post Michael Scott Company, paper company, comes around and Phyllis goes down and she hurts her back? What if Michael put up the limbo bar to enter the door? So just to make sure that no one else injures themselves or has a bad back. <laughs> 
<laughs> or created a screening <laughs> process for yeah. those with pre-existing conditions. Correct. He created some sort of screening. <laughs> <laughs> and he did this by putting up a limbo bar just to double you know check. What? Let's let's uh, throw it around. I vote yes. I vote yes. I vote yes. Let's stamp it into the ethos. And that's as simple as that, guys. That's how these what-ifs and theories work. <laughs> it can we can make, that make something true. <laughs> just make it true. I want to think that Michael called his uh, attorney... James P. Albini to ask him how he, he could go about setting up some sort of thing <laughs> like that. <laughs> without getting to, without getting billed for the full hour. Yeah. Uh, that makes perfect sense. Uh, guys, we don't necessarily have much of uh, any, any additional fan theories, but those are the types of things that you can call in and, and feed us so that we can feed on that. All right? Not unlike the annexers from our previous episode of The Last Office. Dum-bum-bum. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think this is a very uh, exciting uh, thing, and I think it's going to be fairly extensive. It's a pretty big, thick piece of uh, what season five was, and uh, that's what we call the Michael Scott Paper Company series, where we really get introduced to Charles Minor, um, and we, we see it all the way through uh, to the return for Michael. Um, so guys, uh, without further ado, do you guys have any, uh, initial thoughts of, if we're talking about the Michael Scott paper company, when did it start? I was going to say, let's start, let's establish the, the beginning and the end of the arc. When did it start? I have, uh, I just, I'm sorry. I have one quick follow up question. You can, you know, that further ado and, the spelling of the French word adieu are different things, right? Adieu. Wait, was that saying you do know adieu? Okay, let's See? just go. Thank <laughs> you, BJ. <laughs> Thank you, BJ. <laughs> when did it start? Nick, when did it start? Uh, probably with New Boss, technically. You think it was New Boss? Because um, that's where uh, he, I mean, obviously at the end of the episode is where he delivers his uh, his walk-off moment with david wallace quitting right after so long but that's kind of yeah you you get charles minor who comes in who is sort of the straw who breaks the camel's back but he sort of becomes all of the straws that break the camel's back all at one time yeah i mean it's like it's a it's a whole bale of hay that just yeah. breaks the camel's back like it kind of it's all it's all coming to a head which if we can if we can take two seconds here michael is met with the first situation where he is under a boss who doesn't love and adore him, doesn't want to sleep with him, and wants to have a large level of accountability and oversight with him. And is like, nope, can't handle this. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, Michael doesn't want to be micromanaged, which yeah. is kind of shocking. Micromanagement. He doesn't want to be yeah. managed. Yeah, and I just find it kind of shocking because he seems like he wants uh, more interactions with anybody, possible, more attention. You know, yeah, yeah, like that's he wants attention all the time, and then this guy comes in and he's like, "Nope, nope, don't like that." But, yeah. <laughs> well, so and and as as we've established, it's like new boss is is kind of this almost um, like prologue, if you will, of what what how it comes to a head, and it, it caps off with Michael saying that. His famous line yeah. in his own head, you have no idea how high I can fly. Um, but watching that whole thing play out, 
And just how quickly Michael just gets pushed into that into that corner. Yeah. He just gets backed into a corner. It's it's like uh, and and I love how it starts off because he he even says it's like I met this new guy at corporate last week and we just hit it off and he was just getting along so well with um w- with Charles, Charles Minor. Yeah. But then but then he comes on in and he does the <laughs> He does the C-shaped bagels. Yeah. <laughs> and I love, I love this how... This is what you did last night? <laughs> I love how if you look, like, if you freeze it on those that table of bagels, they're all just, like, so awkwardly cut. Like, horribly cut. There's, there's like, half of... Like, some of them, like, half the bagels almost missing. And then, like, other ones have, like, a very tiny piece cut out. And there's, like, the salmon locks. With, uh, with the exception of Daryl... Daryl's keyboard getting yanked off stage by Andy's microphone. This is probably my favorite piece of physical comedy in the entire series, is it, which is Michael in the break room going, it's actually in the conference room. Let's go! And turns yeah. around and slaps his <laughs> hand above the door, square into the door frame, and oh. just like, oh, God. Good. Oh, God. <laughs> God. oh no. And you, have, you just have you have Dwight uh, just reading back Scranton history, yeah. basically, to him. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I it, Well, let's talk. Uh, Michael walking him around it was such a bad introduction because he starts by just talking about everybody's sex life. <laughs> yep. He's like, here's accounting. And he's here's, like, oh, I came from accounting. Oh, okay. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Then, yeah. hey, this like, is Oscar. He yep. is a Latino. And he just got out of a relationship with a man. And so it's like, he just and keeps he did going. Into the workplace, and we're all very proud of him. Oh, I don't, and then, I don't this need is to She slept with history. multiple guys in the office. There's one over there. Ayo, Ayo. Ayo. Uh, there's a mouthful of food. Ayo. <laughs> and then we get to Kevin, who has no sex life. So, Well, that's excellent, because now we've reached Kevin, who has no sexual history. Hey. Hey. Uh, okay, so if if we're seeing this right, um, we're 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 seeing how this this plays out, and kind of throughout the entire day up until the point where Michael literally says, um, he's trying to talk to David Wallace. Yeah, he's basically kind of trying to do a jump level yep. here, right? Um, because yeah, he's he's not happy with what's happening immediate with his immediate supervisor. Now yeah. he tells David that he doesn't want to be. He didn't think he was going to be managed. Well, what gave you that idea? It was my understanding. <laughs> it was my understanding. <laughs> um, and he he just makes all these assumptions that he's just going to get along great with him because of his past relationships with, um, even though as naive as it is, like with Jan and Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And and so, but he but the thing is, he didn't really have good working relationships with no, any of his no, previous bosses. It's, it's true. That's like, true. I, I mean, it's never been good, right? I mean, yeah. Jan. No. Jan, Jan hated him and he didn't like her all the way up until the client. You right. Know? Yeah. And then it was, then he just had a crush on her. And then his relationship with Ryan is not anything like he thinks it it's is. It's borderline like, delusional. Oh, yeah. yeah it's delusional. A hundred percent. Like he thinks he's his mentor prodigy. And it's like, <laughs> and Ryan doesn't want anything to do with him. Right. You know? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Ryan just goes to Scranton to do laundry at his mom's house. <laughs> And pick up some pick up some food, and then he heads back to New York. Okay, and then I wish that in the extended episode they had more of like the previous interaction with Dave or with uh, Charles and Michael. Like, oh, I wish yeah. we got to see when a little bit more. Corporate. 
I I do. I, I I totally agree with you. I would have loved to have seen those moments of why they just hit it off. What were the jokes? What was the commentary? Was Michael being his? Was was Michael the one being um kind of kind of who play who's playing it up? You know, in his relationship or 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 playing the smart salesperson manager that we've seen him do in instances. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe he was coming across a very, very competent, intelligent, very sm- savvy. Or was it Charles Minor who was kind of playing it up as the new guy trying to fit in with everybody? Well, if I if I had to make a guess, I'm guessing what happened is they brought him up for sort of a general meet and greet. Right. And so he's meeting Charles who wants to make a good first impression. So he's going to be polite. He's going to laugh at the jokes that aren't funny. Mm-hmm. Right. But then at the same time, uh, he was probably – Michael was probably introduced – to Charles by David Wallace as like the only manager who's got a successful branch too. That's a good point. So they probably said like here's here's Michael here's Michael Scott. You know he's manages our Scranton branch. Like we consolidated Stanford into that branch, and he's had record sales numbers. Yada yada yada. He's kind of an odd duck, but I think you'll grow to appreciate him in time. That sort of thing. Right. And so Charles comes in, but then he shows up in office and actually sees him in action, and he's like, okay, well I don't. I don't think it is Michael. I think it's all of his employees doing really well, sort of despite Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think also if if we're taking on like Charles's judgment of people, yeah, is not great anyways, right? Yeah, with Jim, with Jim and with Dwight, and uh, yep. you know just and and then making uh, Stanley the productivities are right which yeah. which <laughs> it se- it seems like he's going through like this kind of uh management 101 course and applying these ideas yeah. well if you have somebody who you feel might be struggling put them in charge of a project and that yeah. way it'll bring it to the forefront and they'll feel the need to be you know more productive or more yeah. more more forthwith they'll rise to the they'll occasion. rise to the occasion so i'm going to make stanley my productivities are since i see that he's not always as involved or productive right yeah. or same with kevin with the phones he has a he has these misconceptions and and in the uh in the super fan episodes you'll you'll see a talking head with charles after his initial meeting with Jim saying when business school so he went to business school yeah. too just like Ryan yep mm-hmm. in business school they teach you that the uh trash will kind of you know bring itself forward yeah. uh very easily he's like usually it doesn't happen so easily uh or or, or so quickly <laughs> yeah. like so quickly, Jim yeah. with his tuxedo Jim's in the tuxedo with yeah. the hair slicked back and yeah if yeah. initially initially do you guys think uh, based on uh, based on this new boss and this whole interpretation and even as we're going through do you have any opinion on the on whether or not Charles Minor is actually really in the wrong do you feel like he is completely in the wrong or do you feel like he's a new guy trying to get into this business and he's trying to navigate his way through I think he's just on- he's just the guy who came in and wants to make an impact right away Right, okay. he needs to classic he, shake it up kind of situation. Yeah, he needs to yeah. be able to show that he's the guy in charge because he does. He has like the stern conversations with Michael about like I will tell David what he needs to know. Right, like that sort of things. Like he does the that's not how it's going to work. Like that sort of stuff. I think he's he's got to be the guy who comes in and kind of lays the hammer down to an extent. But at the same time, I do I do feel like he is kind of quick to jump to judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, with stuff like Jim, I think had Jim not been in a tuxedo, the obvious take is like, 
I think that they would have gotten along great right? if that was not his first impression. Yeah. Because he comes in, he gets somebody who's like who's well-equipped to manage special projects, who's an excellent salesperson, who has good inter-office, like interpersonal relationships with the exception of maybe Dwight. Right. Uh, but like gets along pretty well with everybody in the office, would be a good source of information and stuff like that. But like they just get off to such a shitty start that he can't ever recover. Yeah. I, I think I think Charles is probably a really good interviewer or interviewee. You know, oh, yeah. okay. Well, I think that's where and I, I kind of I mean, I, I really don't think he's like and I have this whole fan theory where he doesn't know what the rundown is, you know, oh. and and that's we'll and get that there and we'll we can there. talk about that in, in a little bit. Yeah, but I think we I talked think, through it one time. One like, time we I put think it we into did. the ethos, didn't we? We might. I don't have. know. If we, I don't know if we voted on it. That's true. But I think we might have been waiting for this this conversation. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it here as we get closer to the yeah to the end. I just think I think he is a very and then you know he comes in he says he has like trigger words that he says in his interview that he brings to the office. He says we need to cut expenses three percent across the board. Yep. Okay, that is the most generic. Like anybody can say that about anything. We need to grow sales ten percent. You know. Right. Okay. But and then he's How? like. And then yeah. he's just like trying to make the teams figure out how to do it. But he's like, you know, no more parties. He's just rattling off things. I don't think he really had a plan. I think it was like part one of part B of here's a little nugget of my plan. And we're going to cut expenses 3%. Color and code said documents TM. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that I think that's a really good point. I, I do think that's a really good point because at, at no point. Well, the, if he is a, if he comes from finance and not from sales, I think that that usually means that he comes from finding ways to save and be conservative rather than go after more rather than right. sure. save yeah. rather than gain, right? Yeah. I think that's yep. generally what happens if you have a if if you're talking about two managers and one's from accounting but one's from sales, you have a go-getter attitude and you have a conservative attitude and that's kind of what what Charles is and maybe that's what they wanted after the last two that they had. And it would make sense for David Wallace to bring somebody like that in, given that the industry is so heavily in decline at this point, right. and given that Dunder Mifflin is such a tough shape financially. Yeah. If he can bring somebody in who's just there to kind of patch holes and scoop water, so to speak, of their sinking ship, mm -hmm. like if he can do that while at the same time motivating on a separate field sort of the sales staff, that would make sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. We have to we have to stop the bleeding of our finances while also getting some sort of transfusion of cash in. Right, right. Okay, good point. Um you know and, I, and then, you know to keep moving through this, but yep. uh, you know I was looking for they have this weeks, horrible, or... horrible day. And I absolutely hundred percent agree that it's wrong that a branch manager who's been with the company for fifteen years, longer than anybody frankly, at the corporate office, realistically, mm -hmm. like, you know, David Wallace started, you know, while Michael was 10 years into his career already with, you know, yeah. with, uh, yeah. And so I think uh, it was, I think that was a terrible call. And when, you know, the, that's his line in the sand quit. I actually, I think, and I think Michael's people had a lot of respect for him. You think, yeah. so you think th that's justified? Absolutely, I think it's justified. I do. Like, I do think that we summarized it a little bit earlier and made it sort of a TLDR. But you're, I yeah, you're absolutely right. Like to go from somebody who you have a working relationship with that you've always had the precedent set. I can call you for anything that I need. Yeah. Like I can take care of any of this stuff. And now you get a guy in here who doesn't know the business, doesn't know the company specifically, doesn't know the people. Is now the 
like the intermediary for those things and is actively stifling some of that, yeah, right. I could see where that'd be frustrating. And I think it's important say, to I note. I can't work like this. Right. And I think it's important to note, too, that, again, if you – uh, I thought this was actually a really important moment in the super fan episodes compared to this, this the regular episode was there's a moment where Michael is driving to corporate and he makes mention of how Kendall from HR yeah. had a 15 year party and it was at a cool fancy place. He says Kendall oh, from yeah. HR had a fancy party in uh, in New York at a fancy place and there was a lot of cool stuff happening and it was a blast. He's uh, I think he said he met a couple people there. Yeah. Uh, like and and you think about that even if you even if you were on the par or on the idea that it was kind of ridiculous that this is what Michael is asking for. Yeah. And maybe yeah, some of the things are outlandish like seeing if you can, you know, put Cirque du Soleil and yeah. people on on salary if that'll that easier for year end tax year end tax stuff. Maybe he hung up. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> like those are the types of things that you're like, this is ridiculous. The figs, like whatever. But yeah. then you, if that talking head made it not ridiculous, no, right? Agreed. And they, then they obviously had to have a budget for this type of thing. Yeah. If they if they booked a, a very nice place in in New York yeah. to to do that for somebody else, so well, it's an and it's an HR rep, which is the exactly. extra nail in the coffin for Michael because oh, he yeah. hates everybody in HR. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah, like Toby, this precedent. Toby Senior got his party. Yeah. Why don't I get mine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, we we've kind of honestly we've kind of worked into like. Um, like two weeks and um, and and dream team right yeah. and I th- I think that these are these are borderline this is almost like a two parter introduction if you will yeah I think because it's Michael basically getting ejected from the office and trying to put together his team afterwards right yep. Um, yep. to to prep for the Michael Scott paper company yeah and so his ejection yep. is that is that that's a fair thing right. Oh yeah, I, I mean, mean he—it's he, it's a competing thing. I mean, even in our business. So you and I work for, we'll just say, a regional telecom company. Okay. And I've seen before where if somebody puts in a two weeks notice, but they find out that they're going to a competing telecom company in the area, mm-hmm. they won't make them file or they won't make them finish out that two weeks notice. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. so they yeah. won't they won't fire them, but they'll just say your resignation is accepted immediately versus. Two weeks from now. So maybe there's some sort of non-compete even with yeah. him with him quitting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or especially well, with him quitting. And I think it it stands to mention too, especially that he was doing things like stealing supplies. We see <laughs> a lot more of that. And like openly in drinking. The super drinking fan in yeah. He was doing things like using the pre existing order forms and stuff like that to create resources for this new competing paper company. That's true. So yeah, I I, I mean like it's so this shitty, is justified. but I would say they're well within their rights as a company to do that. Okay. Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. Um, I love that. I mean, how many times in the first two seasons do you think Michael references um, Jerry Maguire? And the show yeah. me the money the award, yeah. you know? Yeah, and then and that is and he's gonna have his Jerry Maguire moment and take Pam with him. Yeah, I think it's just perfect. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, kind of the the who's coming with me moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I and I think that this is a very important moment for Pam too. It's uh, 
I, and I love I, I really do actually like Pam's arc through this, um, through kind of this whole experience because <clears throat> it's very true. Like the way she talks about it, at a couple different points. Like she's like, I put together this new copier. I did all this stuff. I can yeah. I can make a uh, like a whole binder like with uh, full color with three hole punch and collate and everything like that. And she's like, and that feels wow. And then like everything's wor- like that machine is working perfectly. Yeah. And, and somebody goes cares, up. Nobody gives a nobody gives a damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Great. The copier's working. Thanks for finally getting it going. Exactly. Like just zero recognition, zero any sort of like praise for doing her job well. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing there. It's mostly be and some of that may be because of what's happening with management, like this management yeah. thing. But then at the same time, it's like I, I think it's Meredith or whoever. It's like, yep, works. It works great. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Little Miss Thing wants attention. Meredith. That thing too. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and it is. That's she. She put in a lot of effort to get that done, and and it's one of those things. Like, well, this is just supposed to be business as usual. So I don't know why it's such a big deal. Yeah. It's like because somebody did it. You know. Yeah. So her leaving because it was not an easy thing, but right. nobody cares. And yeah, which sucks. Yeah. Um. I think, uh, I think, I think, with 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 Dream Team though too, we get another moment with Pam that it's kind of after everything is said and done, and she has this realization of like, why did I do this? Like, yeah. why yeah. why did I think that this was such a great idea in the moment? I I had a good job. I sat ten feet away from my fiance. Yeah. Like I, I had health benefits. I had health benefits. I had all yeah. this stuff going <laughs> for me. Like, and it's this grass is greener, not so much greener situation yeah. for her. I think it's yeah. really tough. Well, well, she goes back and asks for her job back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She does. Uh, I mean, she she begs. She's she's willing to be his personal shopper. Like yeah. and yeah, and I and I do like I like that Charles is just no. No, like sorry, no. your you position's out. been like, filled. You, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you yeah, you made so. your bed. Go sleep in it. You know, and um, do you think that you know, was move- satisfying oh, for him, or do you think that, that was? Uh, do you think do you think that was like his intention, rather of of just being like, why would I bring you back? Well, I mean, I think that yeah, it's definitely a moment that he probably viewed as like a teaching moment of like, well, this is the opportunity to show her kind of what happens when you act impulsively with your career. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Dream Team, I am. Uh, I'm bummed that we didn't get more Vikram. Right. I wish you. Would, uh, no. I wish you would have hung around a little longer. I wish we got Ryan and Vikram together more. Think if. Think if you had Vikram and Ryan. Ryan and Vikram. Yeah. Like that's. Yeah. That's set up for like a sitcom right there. Yeah. Okay. They are opposite sides of a coin. Oh my gosh. Oh God. <laughs> and that 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 beautiful quote from Vikram in the back of the car. Yeah. He's very confident. And then he's just like, he's like, uh, confidence. It's like, it's uh, the food of the wise man and the liquor of the fool. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> Looking forward look to getting forward to getting knowing you better, Vikram. <laughs> I just think about how Vikram would have dealt with things like Ryan's friend Jasmine's topless photo as the background on their computer and things like that. Like, just zero bullshit, Vikram. I, yeah. do you think, do you think Vikram, what do you think he could have contributed had he had he stuck it out for like another day? I think he would have been their master cold caller. Oh yeah, you know? you because think he would have just been cold I mean, calling that's what, everybody. That's just what give he's me a list. To do. 
That's what telemarketers do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and they he's just been, cold call. And he's been selling shit. I mean, he's been yeah. selling nothing. Things yeah. that but people think, don't actually want. <laughs> yeah, he would have been the workhorse of the cold call, though. Yeah. He would have been in his corner of the of the room, and he would have just been, I mean, pick up, call, make the sale, hang up, and just, he's just looking for volume. He's casting a big net. Yeah. And then I think Michael uses his special, you know, his sales, and he pushes the harder sales. He yeah. does the hard sales. He, you does, know? he does the big fish while Vikram's catching a lot of little fish. I can see yep. Vikram with, like, one of the Vance refrigeration fridge boxes, like, cut in half lengthwise, so he could make himself his own, like, small cubicle. <laughs> so okay. that he had some sort of like so he sound some... blocking area, <laughs> so he can so he can so he can block out Michael because he complains that one of the biggest th- distractions at his at his previous job was the fact that he shared a cubicle with Michael or yeah. shared yeah. <laughs> shared a wall with Michael. <laughs> so now he can get more done. Um, do you? Uh, I, I I think. I th- I think that the pancake luncheon, yeah, <laughs> which is a funny thing, it's so ridiculous by itself. Um, I I just for some reason the the phrase pancake luncheon makes me crack yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's is this is this what this is Michael's process though, right? Yeah. And and yep. and. and, and he, they are getting a lot of roadblocks thrown at them at this point. Yep. You can't have a business in your condo. Lack of investors. He gets eggs in his Crocs. Yep. Uh, eggs it, in his Crocs. <laughs> he has no more regular bread. He used all three loaves of Wonder Bread. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, like it's it's finally he gets he gets the break and Billy gives him the lease or whatever on yeah. that small room. I do love in the super fan edition uh Billy and Ryan have a little joke that happens that you miss in the regular one, which is Billy going it's smaller than a prison cell and Ryan goes no it's not. This no, it's is not. great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's right. No, it's not. This is great. Uh so um, Michael signs a seven-year lease for that <laughs> for that office. He and and guess what? Billy didn't even try to counter it when he originally offered him a three-year lease, and Michael countered with a seven. Should, Billy just Billy just said okay. Like should have gone like, for he's ten. Like, I got him. All right. <laughs> like I don't think he understands. Like he's he really wanted like this space. Yeah. No foresight of like, gosh, I hope we can get out of this space. We can grow and get out of this space as soon as possible. Yeah. It's not that. Uh, nope. <laughs> uh, so, but so the, go ahead. I was going to say the cheese balls. The cheese balls. It's so, all about the cheese balls for Michael. Yeah. Super fan edition. The super fan episode is how you know how they got the cheese balls. Yeah. That's because, a good point. Yeah. Because he was trying to steal a bunch of supplies and he gets busted again and he runs through the kitchen <sighs> and runs out the door and he's the only thing he can grab is the cheese balls. Because he throws the box of actual supplies at Charles Minor in his yeah. escape. There's a. So, there's a lot of him like getting caught, and he goes back several times yeah. uh, in the super fan episodes actually um, to see what he can get, what he can get away with. And Charles has to remind everybody multiple times, like Michael is not allowed on the premises. Persona non grata. Persona non grata. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also a lot of brown nosing that's going on in the office, though. At this oh, yeah. point, this is with the with Charles being um, basically interim branch manager. Yeah. Um, on top of everything else. And this is what really leads into, I think, your theory, BJ, of uh, 
Charles doesn't really know a lot of what's going on. I think it's the idea that he can as it's just like um it's just like in sales or something, right? Like where you can you can say I have a product. I can figure out the product and then I can sell it. I know how to sell something. I just need to know what the product is. Yeah. Or you can sell whatever just as once you figure out the product and then you can, you know, sell that thing. It's like he thinks that, oh, I can just kind of BS my way through this until I understand what's going on. Um, and he's got everybody is just kind of brown nosing him. The ladies are brown nosing him. Andy is. Dwight's the only one not, and and Dwight's the only one being successful and really in his relationship with Charles. Yeah, Dwight yep. is like negging him almost to an extent. You're kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think that I think that that does kind of speak to Charles a little bit. That yeah. like it, you know he's fully aware of what's happening. I do think it's funny that they set up in the uh, super fan editions when they're talking about because they don't address in the regular one how Andy finds out that Charles is big into soccer. Yeah. Um, but he explains that he had a little rummagey roo in his car, Gosh, a little looky yeah. loo in his car That's... at one point and found the soccer ball hanging from the rearview mirror. And it sort of sets up this, Andy just sort of looks through people's cars for things. He does. <laughs> yeah. That dude just, he just like, basically he just goes around like lifting door handles. Yeah. Yeah. Cars. <laughs> That's so messed up. Like when he finds that uh client's feist CD. Yeah. Yeah. It's all excited about that. He yeah, he absolutely has a history of this. And it yeah. started with Dwight's car. Yes. Trying to get the the parking ticket or like whatever. Yep. And then and the, then like toll ticket or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. I, this happens a lot actually. There's that's already yeah. three instances <laughs> we can think of. <laughs> um, um, Fucking Andy, man. <laughs> Andy, gosh, man. Uh, I, I just, it, I, th- I feel bad for, for Jim at this point, but I also want to make mention of, uh, um, you know, uh, this will lead right into the rundown. Yep. This is, this, I've, I've always had this theory about, um, and it, it must be on purpose, obviously the way that they're dressed and the colors that people are wearing cause like kind of, uh, an assimilation of characters. So like you'll notice like a that division of them kind of yeah oh. and so so especially especially you'll notice this nor near the end when you have uh, where uh, Jim and um, David are on one side of the table and uh, Charles and Dwight are on the other side uh, of the table and Jim and Jim and David are wearing like blue shirts and up to this point Charles has been wearing mostly blue white things like that. He's wearing yellow very much like Dwight is. Yeah. And so we have this like almost like team's color thing that's happening of like where like we, we see that blue on Charles where we're at right now. Yeah. Thinking that he should be getting along with Jim. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple. I, that's, that's interesting. I never noticed that. But it, yeah, you're right. It, like, it, it, he, he has those, like where he, he tells Jim, it's like, oh, your lunch looks good. And Jim gets kind of excited about that. When they're playing soccer together, like yeah. it's uh, you think that they're Jim they're, gets so so excited oh, about yes. how much Charles has shown like the tiniest bit of interest in his lunch. It's so it's so funny. He's yeah. like, "Fuck, finally a foot in the door here." Yeah, <laughs> he he he's like, "It's so healthy. It's so many fresh veggies." I'm so like, "It's a portions. lot of good bang for your buck." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like that Dwight asks if he can have a bite of it. 
Yeah, he's like, no, no. <laughs> but I, I just think that that's that's a very interesting thing that there's this there's this idea that these colors are always always kind of assimilating and they're it's like very misleading with Charles up yeah. until the very end actually. But but we see it again and Charles asks for the rundown. The rundown. <sighs> the rundown. So Between I'll just bring it up. I truly Scott. think that Charles got told he needed to do a rundown from somebody above him. Okay. Uh, whatever. And that's the theory and that he didn't know what it is. And that's why he passes it off on Jim, but also keeps his hands completely clean of like any input or any, anything like he makes Jim feel like an idiot when Jim's like, you know, how, what format do you use? Like, really? Like, that's the question you're going to ask. It's like, well, he didn't know the format. Yeah. And I believe, I believe he just passes down. And then at the end, he says, fax this to everybody on the dis on your distribution list. Mm-hmm. Yep. What? Okay. So break down what a distribution list is. What is he talking about? His vendors that, Right. Just, you know, or is he talking about like where he is? It just doesn't make any sense because like Dunder Mifflin distributes paper to his clients. That's who he did the rundown about. Yeah. You know, so is that it would have to even us be talking about the vendors who then supply him paper. But then why is he having Jim, a single salesperson, do that? I it just I, doesn't nothing about it makes sense. Yeah. I always assumed when he was asking for the rundown of clients and the distro list that he was going to be sending that off to people like at corporate. Uh, that he was going to be sending that off to like people in the corporate offices of Dunder Mifflin. Hey, here's sort of a summary of um like Michael's clients and who he worked with and what their average you know yearly spend is and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I just don't. It's not but, how he framed. No, mean, but yeah, yeah, he didn't frame it at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just he just says, "Will you send that to everybody on your distribution list?" And it's like, who the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. he does say, "I believe." Um, I just caught this literally on the rewatch for this episode or for 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 us recording today. Yeah, was he asked? Great, fax that to everyone on the on the distribution list. Yeah, and and instead of your, and I always thought it was your, and then, uh, um. Uh, Jim says, Jim says, got it. So my, my, dis- my distribution list, it's like, it's like, do you want to check it out? It's like, do what you, do I need to? He's like, nope, just want to make sure we use the same format. Jim <laughs> yeah. is going back and forth, like to get this thing done the right way. And I think, I think what confirmed this for us on, on this theory of yours, BJ, or when we kind of talked about it uh, at a different time was uh, David David Wallace comes in, I believe it's after this, and he says, "So you'll have that rundown for me." Um, on what does he say next week? He's like, "Yep, I should have it for you." Uh, th- this he's like, "Oh, not Sunday." He's like, "Well, it's gonna take a couple of days." He's like, "So we'll have it to you on Monday." He's like, "Oh, oh, okay." That's basically yeah. what I said originally. But David asks, David Wallace asks Michael Scott for. A rundown after this. Okay. Right. And Michael knows what this is. Got it. So that was Michael knows what the rundown is. Right. And if David Wallace simply asked, uh, hey, I need a rundown of this to uh Charles Minor, Charles. he did not explain it to him. And then therefore Charles Minor didn't explain it to to Jim. Yeah. He doesn't know. He's just hoping to pass the buck, like you say. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think and you're Jim right even in the extended one, Jim even goes in there and says, like, what's him. a run? What's a rundown? You know, Jim, is this one of your jokes? Is this one of your pranks, Jim? Yes. Are you pranking me? Yeah. Like, just he, he, like, he just was bullying him into feeling so stupid that he just had to go figure it out. Yeah. So I want to stamp it in there. I think I vote yes that Charles Minor did not know what the rundown is and he just was passing the buck so that he didn't look like an idiot. Got you. I'm in on it. I, I agree. I'm going to stamp that. I want to, I want to, I want to stamp that. Grace Claw. Boom. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a stamp i guess well sure. so heavy competition we're finally seeing like he is getting they're hemorrhaging clients at this point right yeah um, losing them left and right that's that's episode number 24 is heavy competition they're starting they start losing they're undercutting all their prices and this again is where you see how much charles is a finance guy and he is not a salesperson at all well they're undercutting our 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 prices how what are we supposed to do i don't want to hear excuses i want to hear i want to hear solutions or whatever he says um well he doesn't have any himself he doesn't have any yeah he he doesn't have a way all he knows is how to save money but he can't save a client right right what what is he doing to pick up the phone and call these clients and win them back from michael exactly he he can't do that so michael's gonna win this game because i mean it at the end of the day you always focus on sales before you focus on expenses, sure. right? That's how you grow a company. Everybody knows that. You focus on sales and growing sales and you control your expenses. But his solution to this is just keep cutting costs and costs and costs. And then he gives Angela the keys to the kingdom on expense reports. You see that in the extended yeah, one too. Yeah, that's right. And, and, but I will say on the flip side, as somebody who is in, in a man, you know, has p- people, if I found out that like, I had a Phyllis going out to dinner every week with Bob Vans advanced refrigeration and getting no, paying for it uh, with the company card and, you know, bottle of wine here and a dinner there, as she says, oh, yeah. and Andy's going out for dinner and Stanley's buying cigars. Yeah. First of all, you just had a heart attack dog. Shouldn't be smoking cigars or anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's um, true. I think I'm actually, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm team uh, Charles and Angela on this one. They yeah, they of are, course you are. I mean, it was like the Wild West when Michael was there, you know? There's just a lot going on. So. It's like the Wild West. Yeah. And war-torn Poland. Yeah. And Poland. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we see, again, we see Dwight. We see Dwight change up his shirt into a long sleeve white shirt. Trying he to, hates it. He, and he hates it. And this is like him conforming to what Charles is doing, trying to conform to what Charles is doing. And it's just not, but it's not working. He's compromising Dwight's attack readiness. Yeah. It's just, it's a perfect, it's a perfect analogy for, um, for, for how it's going for Dwight. Yeah. Although, he, yeah. And, and I love his, his moment of like, I think he's like I've been thinking about giving you some more responsibility around here. It's like so. How about how about this weekend? You and I go out for a drink. He's like, really? He's like, absolutely. Shakes hands. It's firm. It's firm. Yeah. <laughs> it's firm. Um, with with uh, with Dwight Master and Apprentice pitted against each other over yeah. Mister Schofield. Um, do you so entertaining? It's really entertaining. Uh, and I I think that this is uh this is. One of those rare moments of Michael just being great at what he does, great yeah. people person. Um, he he is one hundred percent right. After speaking with Pam and when he she's sitting in the car, he thrives on these types of things. 
yeah. on these types of situations, and it really comes out here. Look at that old dude in his Rolodex go. I, I spent so much time putting that Rolodex like, into his BlackBerry, and he uses it as a nightlight now. <laughs> but uh, that's it. Michael's, you, Michael was stone cold with Dwight after the, the betrayal of Dwight Schrute where, A, he made him eat that terrible meatball parm, but B, yeah. they uh, ransack the office and steal his Rolodex. You get uh, Michael with the absolutely ice in his veins. I'm going to make you listen while I take your biggest client. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then he yeah. tucks the phone oh, in his yeah. pocket. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, Mr. Schofield's ready now. Oh, great. Oh, just through here? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take your what biggest is it, client. What is it that Dwight always says? Uh, what? I don't even remember what the joke he makes. Something is paper the, is the soil, soil of uh, business. Uh, yeah, paper is the like, manure. On time that... delivery is the soil. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I need to hear the full thing from from him because I, I know on time delivery is the soil. Paper is the manure. Right. What What's everything else? What's I don't. Yeah. What, what are What are things like profit margins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rain. Um, <laughs> Uh, um, it, it, we're 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 like we watch this all transpire, and it, it's uh, it leads us up to them going broke. Essentially, yeah. like they don't realize what they're doing, and this um, fixed cost pricing model. Because he trusted Ryan to be the the brains behind the business finances. Cause went, yeah, because he yeah. went to business school. Duh. Uh, God, he's a dumb son of a bitch. He put the convict in charge. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> oh, you oh you make you get paid by the year at the bowling alley. Yeah. <laughs> what are those like a men's ten? No, no. He's already paying for himself. <laughs> when when they're going through, I I don't know how many times I've I've said this before. Uh, when it's you have any coffee, milk and sugar. Wait, is this just milk and sugar? That's what I said. <laughs> you drink this every day? <laughs> every day. They need to get a delivery van, and yeah. uh, they want a delivery driver, and they find out that this fixed fixed cost pricing model that Ryan set up um, is basically putting them out of business because yeah. they, they want to grow the company, and they want to. So tell me this. If they decided to just stick it with, with what they're doing, yeah. Does that mean that they would technically be successful for at least a long, like I think maybe short term period what, of time? I think Ryan based his like costs and projections off a higher volume than they're doing. Yeah. Is that what you and think? So yeah, so I think that they're trying to get to that volume because that's where Ryan's like, you know, once we sell enough paper, like we'll be profitable. We just need to get to that number, like mm. whatever the number is. They're not quite there yet. But as they're selling more, their expenses are going up. Yeah, because they need it's, they need things like additional supplies and delivery drivers and benefits for employees and additional employees and stuff like yeah. Yeah. So right. So, so I don't think I don't think they're profitable yet. Period. They need they need more volume at the margins they're doing without raising any expenses, and they're finding out it's not possible. They're okay. So they've they've got they've come to the conclusion that it's not possible based on the way that they started doing this. Yeah. Is is yeah. basically what they figured out pretty much okay. and then they go broke which is the name of the episode it is it is they are, <laughs> they are now broke um but again this is uh where you really start to see these uh inner office 
alliances almost kind of take shape. The politics. The politics of it all. David Wallace comes in. They've been hemorrhaging clients. We find out that uh, you know Phyllis just lost two this week. Andy loses one. Um, mm. It's getting to everybody at this point. And uh, with David Wallace coming in, I think even Kelly says something about it. Um, well, and Phyllis obviously says you're, well, I don't know, but it seems like if you would have just like worked with Michael in the first place, yeah. if you would have just, just called Michael Michael's back, call, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have just returned his call. None of this would have happened. Oh, yeah, I'm and, starting to think that myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you get at that moment, you get people like. Jim, who really are trying to find some way to like right the ship. And it goes back to exactly what you were saying with him being a finance guy, Charles, that is, versus like a sales management guy, where Jim is like, would they, would corporate approve, you know, discounts for a returning customer or anything discount. like that? Yeah. He's like trying to brainstorm ideas. Hey, how do we get these customers back so we can really stop the bleeding there? He's trying to like triage the issues of like, we're losing customers left and right here, but we are also not signing any new customers. Yeah. We've got to stop losing customers right now. Can we get this yeah. approved? And he's like, no, that would make us look weak. And it's like, who the fuck weak. cares what the optics of the situation are? Right. Like, if you're a finance guy and that's your bottom line and that's what you care about, like, you would think that Charles would approve something like that. But Yeah. I I don't know. I, I just think um, he – I think that he has some vindiction on – um, just just like he just has this thing against Jim that he doesn't want Jim to be right in yeah. a situation. Yeah, well, and it's so it's so clear that you know David Wallace is is Jim is David's guy. You know, yeah. yeah. And I think like I just don't think Charles wants. I don't know. I just can't. I can't figure out Charles at all. I just think he's all talk. He's he's not. I mean, he's obviously an intelligent guy, but he doesn't know paper. He's a brown noser himself. No. He's he's a steel man. Yeah, he's a steel man. He brown noses up to David paper. Wallace. Um, he 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 just he he panders to David Wallace, and and that continues even beyond this. Yeah. Oh, how much he kisses David Wallace's butt when he walks in. Oh, it was like unbelievable. And then you know, you know, and then Jim does the <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. like it, but he's not wrong it's crazy oh yeah it's, it's totally fair it's it's totally fair and again like look take a look like next time you watch this episode go back and look at what they're wearing now and you have you have them wearing similar color schemes um as to where these where they're what side of the table they're sitting on um they approach jim goes down to approach them about this buyout yep. and we get maybe one of the greatest moments of Michael Michael Scott. Yeah, I mean, we talk about stuff like the client or um, like the convention when you think about Michael being a good salesperson or impressive at his job. Yeah. But like this is one of those those Mount Rushmore of Michael Scott moments for me. Right. Is during this buyout where he just, I mean, just like it's it's back to the same thing like it was with Dwight. It's just ice in his veins. When he gets to that moment where all the pressure's on, he thrives on that. Yep. I will see your situation. I will raise you a situation. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you have a shareholders meeting coming up. Yeah. I don't think I need to. I don't think I need to wait out. Wait, Dunder Mifflin out. I think I just need to wait you out yeah. as a CFO. They might be looking in a little change, change. in the CFO. And yeah. just 
absolute lights him on fire. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's so good. And they go back. He's already prepared to say, no, I want your second your second offer. Yeah. Um, give me give never me a, take the first. You never take the first offer. <laughs> they and and he does. He he does. He does get them their jobs back. Um, yeah. And well, and that wasn't even the plan. No. Yeah, they were they were excited about the sixty thousand dollars, and then Michael has the foresight of all people to call the audible and say, "We don't need sixty grand. We need everybody to have careers. Exactly. We need everybody right. to have jobs and benefits." Like, yeah. think about that too. I mean, if yeah. anything, if anybody's going to get the uh, the lion's share of that, it's going to be Michael, who yeah. owns who Michael Scott Paper Company. Yeah. You know the way it's yeah. probably set up, anyways. So I just i I think it's a brilliant, uh, a brilliant segment of this season, and I love how it's it finishes the same way that it started uh, for Michael too, of him being able to look at Charles and say, "No, no, you're done here. You're done. You're done. You're done. Here. You're done." And and Charles leaves town with his tail between his legs. Yep. I just think it's yep. brilliant. So sad. So I don't know how his job changed because then later in Company Picnic, uh, Jim makes a reference where he's like, he's not even my boss anymore. Right. You know, it's like, so what did he, how did his job change? Did did they end up moving him to a different area to not oversee Michael just to rip the Band-Aid and, you know, be done with it? Or did they move in, him in, into the accounting department? God, well, yeah. I would hope he moved him to, like, finance or yeah, something. Yeah, part of me is thinking that they moved him over to something to do with the finance. Exactly. Like, hey, yeah. your your skill set is going to be more suited for this portion of it. Rather than, like, the leadership where you've got to be hands-on and you've got to be face of the franchise right here with everybody. Like, let's put you in an office where you're trying to figure out how to right the ship from kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, because yeah. like yeah. David Wallace is also not a guy who likes admitting when he's wrong. It's true. So he probably would not be the guy who says, yeah, Charles wasn't a great pick for this. Like I say, and I've said it before, guys, unfortunately, as much as I love David Wallace, I think he may be part one of the biggest assets or biggest facets of the downfall of Dunder Mifflin. Oh, 100%. Paper. Well, hiring people like Charles will get you there in a hurry. He's Every single hire he's had almost has been just absolutely detrimental to the company. Yeah. So, um, well, I don't know, man. I think that's a pretty good inch, uh, look and yeah. and and, sh- and overall shot of what the Michael Scott Paper Company did for us, right? Yeah, I mean, come on. I think it was a it was a mini series in itself. It was. They need to go. They need to go back and make a like a three part movie. I know trilogy of the Michael Scott Paper Company. It'd be like. It'll be like a uh, new boss in two weeks. That'd be like kind of, you know, episode one. <laughs> I will then... tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just a full on um, yep. full production value uh, <laughs> scale of just. It is, it is worth yep. mentioning, of course, during two weeks is where we get the namesake for our show. Yeah. For the scotch True and that. Splenda. Oh, that's a good point. Tastes um, like Splenda gets you drunk like scotch. That's Yeah. Yep. You're right. You're completely we can't, we right. We can't breeze past it. We can't breeze past it. It's, it's I so think you important. just put a bow on it. Thank you for doing <laughs> that. I just, I, there's there's a lot of great little moments throughout this whole thing. I don't care if Ryan killed his whole family. He's like a son to me. Son to me. Oh, what a good line. I wrote that one down. Dang. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, oh, but just, there's a lot of little moments throughout this one, guys. And I, I, I'm sure we will reference this plenty of different times. And I think Charles Minor, uh, Idris Elba as Charles Minor might be, God, what a testament to just his acting chops and abilities to just play this character. I just prime it, just prime. So, 
Um, yeah, guys, Michael Scott Paper Company. That's it. That's it. I think we got to get the heck out of here. So um, make sure. Do you have Office Olympics? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna skip Office Olympics today. No worries. But, but what we are going to talk about real quick yes. are the Instagram polls. Bracket, All baby. Right, the bracket. We are officially into round two of the bracket. What we have posted right now is Joe Bennett and David Wallace, and that is wrapping up here, and it was a resounding David Wallace win. Wow. So, and that's the first round of, or the first uh, matchup of round two. Going down the list, we have Jim Halpert versus Jan Levinson. Robert California will be taking on Robert Mifflin. Oh, and Dwight K. Schrute will be taking on Creed, Creed Bratton, Creed Bratton, Creed in parentheses Bratton. (laughs) (laughs) What's 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 his uh, what's his other alter ego? Um, Uh, uh, William uh, David. uh, What is it? I can't. Schneider. William Charles Schneider. William Charles William Charles Schneider. Schneider. There you yep. go. He sends all his debt to. There you go. Yep. All right. Well, so. I'm looking forward to those. Uh, next up, it sounds like we got we got Jim versus Jan. Battle Bad, of the ba- Jays. Battle of the Jays. Jays. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> guys, thank you guys so much for uh, being here for Scotch and Splenda. Um, again, make sure you are leaving us that review. Five stars anywhere that you're find, finding us, and make sure you're joining in on the questions and the polls. And write us a review if you got it. And write us a fan here, guys. Make sure you give us a call, too. Leave us a voicemail. We want to hear your voice on the show, hanging out with us. That number is 319-359-7977. That's it, guys. Until next time, we will catch you on the flippity flip. On the flippity flip. On the flippity flip. Ooh, goodbye. Bye. Bye.